Hello, everybody. I got a few names for you. We're going to start with, um, where can we start? Kenny Doro, um, Jeff Keezer, Branford Marcellus, Wynton Marcellus, Freddie Hubbard, um, Chick Career, Mulgrew Miller, Bobby Timmons, Wayne Shorter, um, Bobby Watson. Um, I can keep going. They're everywhere. Uh, Reggie Workman. Uh, we can just keep going. You name a musician that has emerged as a major player in jazz over the last 50 years, and you can trace that musician to the Art Blakey School of Jazz. Now, let me help you out with the Art Blakey School of Jazz. It is not a traditional school. No, no, no. It's the bandstand. And in his last 20, 25 years of that band, almost every major straight-ahead hard bop jazz musician that emerged on the national and international scene came out of that band. Javon Jackson, Terrence Blanchard. We can just keep going. If they are anybody, they were somebody that was in Art Blakey's band. Art Blakey's band was the incubator for modern jazz. Let's talk about how incredible that one fact is. You see, Art was born 1919 in Pittsburgh to a single mother who died almost immediately after his birth. Immediately after his birth. He was the youngest child. He and his siblings had to be raised by one of his mother's friends who became the surrogate mother. And she raised Art and the rest of the kids. Now Art in that situation, not, not a lot of money, not a lot of, you know, support. You got to grow up fast. Art got free piano lessons in school, elementary school. And he took those lessons for about three years. And then later, he simply taught himself and became a fantastic pianist. By the time he was in seventh grade, he was already doing man things, earning money to put food on the table, being the man of the house, taking care of household chores, helping to raise his older brothers and sisters, working almost full time as a musician, seventh grade. Yeah. By 15, 16, he's really, really into it and is doing really well as a pianist all around the Pittsburgh area. Somewhere in the 30s, he switched from piano to drums. Now, we've heard many, many stories. A, a, a club owner pulled a gun on him and told him, you've got to stop playing piano and learn to play something else. And there's a story where a very young Errol Garner came in 
and sat down and played. And after Errol finished playing, the club will look at Art and say, hey man, have you figured out what you're going to play next week? Art said, what you talking about? He said, well, one thing for sure, you won't be playing piano here because that guy just took your job. So the legend is, poor Art, who had the weight of his whole family on his shoulders, went home and taught himself to play drums, and one week came back and held down that drum chair and became one of the most important drummers and band leaders, band leaders that jazz has ever produced. Now, Pittsburgh is a great place for jazz. You got Amon Jamal coming out of there, you got Errol Garner coming out of there, you got Mary Lou Williams around there, and soon he connects with a saxophone player and starts playing here, and soon the word gets out that this guy can really play, he can swing, he got that swing thing happening, he swings really heavy, and Mary Lou Williams, she likes that. And she's touring regionally and nationally. So he hooked up with Mary Lou somewhere around 1939, and they start touring everywhere. And I hear, I hear that somewhere around 1942, Mary Lou Williams had a gig in New York City and she takes little Arthur, <laughs> Arthur Blakely, to New York City. And there he is, oh man, New York City, with the big buildings and everything, and it's 42 and you know, the music is beginning to change. There's still a lot of swing, but that bebop thing is starting to start. And he's like, oh, yeah. So while he was there, he made a few connections. One year later, he is working with Fletcher Henderson himself in the Fletcher Henderson Orchestra, driving that big band. Yeah. And when Fletcher's gig ended, he goes into Billy Eckstein's band, which was the most exciting big band, because they were not just playing the swing of the day. They were also putting some elements of bebop in there, you see, because Billy Eckstein had a really unusual big band. Uh-huh, very unusual. Dizzy was in there, Miles was in there, Bird was in there. Don Baez, I think, was in there. Yeah. Sarah Vaughn was a singer. So the future of bebop was actually in the big band of Billy Eckstein. And there is Art Blakey again, man, cooking with all these cats. Yeah. So during this same time, he's playing with Billy Eckstein somewhere from yeah, 44, 45 to like 47, 48. He's also going down to Minton's and sitting in with the cats on the bebop. I mean, he's also doing gigs with Bird and Miles and Dizzy and Monk. Yeah. Let me tell you how important he was to bebop. Monk's first recording has a drummer named Art Blakey. Mm-hmm. Monk's very last recording, made in London in 1971, has a drummer named Art Blakey. And there's several in between that Art's own. People said that the most compatible drummer Monk ever had was Art Blakey. 
why didn't it work? Well, Art had some things to do. Because after all, this kid came up hard. He always had to make it work for himself and his family. So he was always looking for opportunities. In 47, after leaving Eckstein Band, there were not a lot of opportunities. The swing thing was starting to die. The bebop thing was coming up. Art didn't feel he could make a whole lot of money. He decided he would take a break. And he went to Africa. That's right. It was supposed to be a two-week, three-week trip. But it turned into two full years. Now there are all kinds of stories. You know how people like to tell stories. They weren't there, but they know everything. You know how, you know how people are. So there's some people who say he went to Africa to learn the African drums and blah, 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 blah. And Art Blakey say, no. I could already drum. The rhythm was already in me. I'm about as African as a black man in America can be. Didn't need it. I wanted to be with the people. I wanted to know my culture. I wanted to be able to speak some of my languages. I wanted to understand my food. Oh, he loved food. I wanted to see, uh, how shall I say this? He wanted to see his sisters in their natural habitat. We'll do it that way. You know, Art loved food. He loved having a good time. He loved his jazz. He also loved his women. So he also went to Africa to see the women directly related to the root of the tree, baby. So he went there. And he went there for three weeks, but he stayed for two years for some reason. He also became known as Bohena as he endorsed Islam for a while because in the region he visited, Islam was religion, and he wanted to explore world religions. Islam was right there, why not? That is what he did. And for a while, he went by the name Buhena. And even today, I have the habit of calling him Buhena in some situations, okay? We don't know what the truth is. I would suspect it was a little of both because his use of polyrhythms and toms and all that, it's just it's so distinctive and so unusual for that time and so much like the African culture, it's kind of maybe just rubbed off with osmosis, but I get the feeling that at some point he had to have sit down in a drum circle with African drummers and picked up a couple of things as he was watching the young ladies go by. I think that, that's what's going on. <laughs> Anyway, somewhere about 1950, he comes back and he gets a chance to make a recording. And his first recording on his own name is called Art Blakey's Messengers. And don't know how he got the name, where it came from, nothing. That's what it does. He went and did other projects. And then a few years later, somewhere around 1954, he hooked up uh, with uh, Horace Seven, and uh, they started a group that became known as the Jazz Messengers. After about a year, Horace decided he wanted to do something different than Bohena was doing. Well, they had an argument or something, I don't know, but Horace left. 
And he took two musicians with him, including the bass player and the saxophone player, Hank Moby. And of course, Bohena replaced him real fast. And um, the next album that came out was Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Yeah. Now we at it. And for the next 35 years, Art Blakey would lead the Jazz Messengers all around the world. Did I say Donald Harrison was in that band too? I'll keep going because it just continues to go, man. Branford played alto before he played tenor. Yeah, Bobby Watson played alto before Branford did. Lee Morgan played in that band. Matter of fact, in one of the most important bands, the one with Benny Goldson as music director. All those great tunes, Blues March, and Along Came Betty, and I remember Clifford, and all that. That's when Lee Morgan is in that band. And uh, band's kicking. And you all know uh, what happened to Lee. And so a little bit later, Lee is uh, replaced by Freddie Hubbard. And so now you got Freddie Hubbard and you got uh, Wayne and uh, you know add a little trombone player and you got a little sextet and all of that. And then you get uh, great live albums and you know, you get moaning and you get all this stuff, Bobby Timmons' great tune, just one after another, after another, after another. And when these musicians would mature and become independent, they all did. Wayne had to leave and go do his thing. Freddie had to leave and go do his thing. But he always kept the ear out for the young cats that were around. And as soon as one cat left, another up and coming cat would be brought onto the stage. Winton was barely 21 years old when he became not just a member, but the music director for Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. So Art would take them young, nurture them, teach them everything about the music, and as Javon Jackson said, he would teach you how to be a man how to stand up for yourself. You know, he had this habit that people got wise to. He claimed he couldn't hear very well. And uh, it was funny, when he wanted to tell you something, he heard pretty good. But say if you approached him uh, because you felt you deserved a raise or something, uh, he would be like, oh, what you say? I couldn't quite hear you. <laughs> So he had that selective hearing. He, he, would, he would use it as selective hearing. Eventually you get through to him, but he'd have to put you through the ringer first. You know, that was just the way he did things. This is perhaps, I'm not, I'm gonna go, for, I'm not gonna say perhaps. Art Blakey is the greatest band leader of small combos that jazz has ever produced, period. Miles did his thing. There's no doubt that Miles brought cats in and out. He did a whole lot with musical styles and this and that and whatever. 
but in terms of the number of people that came through the messengers that went on to become major influences in jazz and the progression of this music, Art Blakey, without a doubt, is a man. Four Grammy Awards, including a Lifetime Achievement Award, a Downbeat Outstanding Musician Award, and two, I hope I'm right, oh no, and one uh, Modern Drummer Award. Because even in his late years, as late as uh, after he was gone for a while, uh, 2015, he was uh, honored by the Modern Drummer uh, as one of the greatest drummers of all time. And that's incredible because Art died in uh, 1990. I got to see him at University of South Florida uh, in 1988. I remember the concert well. I was headed somewhere and changed my mind and just got off the highway and went to USF, heard about a jazz clinic and went in there and I got a chance to see Art sit there by himself, face a room full of people who were trying to pick the flesh off his bones, every little detail of every little recording he'd ever made in the 50 years he'd been playing. And there were people talking about specific cymbal work and specific tom work, specific grooves, specific beats, specific rhythms on specific tunes that he recorded 30 years ago. And Art was able to answer the bell for every single one. And sometimes he just sit there and just, just demonstrate it for him. And say, yeah, I remember that. I, matter of fact, this is exactly how it go. Sometimes he has to figure it out because his stuff is kind of complex. He go, oh yeah, I remember now. It go like this. Art Blakey. Arthur Blakey. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mother died in childbirth, raised pretty much as an orphan. And yet, he rose himself up to become one of the most influential jazz musicians in the history of this music, going through swing, through bebop and hard bop and related styles. All we can say is, Keep swinging, baby. And there's one thing. When you hear Blakey, you gotta move. Because the groove and the infections and that shuffle style he had is gonna make you move something every single time. Thank you, baby.